1: Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock
2: My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. It is a sad and somber day here in Indy. Uh, saying farewell to a true hero, State Trooper Aaron Smith. The motorcade and the funeral was today. He died in the line of duty last week in Plainfield, tried to stop a stolen vehicle, throwing down the stop sticks. The vehicle hit him and killed him. The suspects have been uh, arrested and charged, but this is uh, certainly a day nobody wanted and and nobody is, is, is happy about. Watched a lot of the
3: coverage early on today. Uh, just a beautiful service at the Emanuel Church in Greenwood. That's where uh, Smith and his wife, Megan, attended. Mm. And then the motorcade uh, then made its way uh, to Whiteland High School. That's where the 1042 call would take place. And throughout the afternoon, you're going to be seeing that motorcade move move from Johnson County down to Crown Hill, Center Cemetery and the heroes of public safety area. Um, Smith by served the way, in the Indiana a, National
2: Guard, I'm, I'm, man, so he's going to get the full military deal. And by the way, I just I wanted to say I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but the the people lining the streets is always powerful for me. That gets me. People that don't know Officer Smith, don't know, um, you know. Uh, anything about his family, but just lying the streets out of respect is always a a powerful scene during those motorcades. And all throughout the afternoon, uh,
3: you will see that motorcade heading down to Crown Hill again uh, because he was a member of the National Guard and an Indiana State Trooper. uh, He will be uh, buried with military and police (sighs) Recognition. That's going to be powerful. If you've never been to Crown Hill Cemetery, like you could take a great tour through that thing. I know it sounds a little morbid to take a tour through a cemetery, but if you're a history buff or somebody that just wants to pay respects, there are so many famous people in Crown Hill. But my favorite part is that Heroes of Public Safety, that specific area, because it's important to keep remembering those that pay the ultimate price for protecting all of us here in society, whether it's you know, Noah Shanavas. whether it's Bill Tony, whether it's Perry Wren. We just had the anniversary of his death, I believe it was nine years ago, just
2: this past week. Uh, my uncle's uh, 41st anniversary of dying on the line of duty was yesterday, uh, State Trooper Robert Lather. So, that was a pretty emotional day for our family, and it doesn't get any easier. Uh, and I can, you know, personally attest to that watching, you know, I was pretty young, obviously, when it happened. But I have cousins that didn't know their dad, didn't um, and I have I've have grant my late grandparents didn't get to watch their their son, um you know, proceed as a as a as a hero in the um, in the state troopers. So uh, it's it's a powerful thing. And it's it's something we all need to stop and think and thank uh, uh, any service member that you see, military and or law enforcement.
3: And it makes me wonder what's going through the mind of those families who have seen this yes, before. absolutely. The yeah. Bradway family, uh, Brian Leith's family. Uh, I am... Acquaintance with the family of Noah Shonavaz. Nige, you and I met that family uh, when we attended an event with the police late last year. Yeah, the breakfast with the cop. Breakfast yeah. with the cop. The Shonavaz family uh, lost their son Noah. He died in the line of duty. And this was a very powerful message on Facebook from Lori Shanavas, the mother of Noah. Quote, we were going to go to Trooper Smith's funeral today. But when we woke up, we just couldn't do it. I feel very guilty about not going because I know what his family and friends are going through and that he deserves every honor that will be afforded to him today. As we get closer to the one-year mark of the loss of Noah, everything is feeling hard. It takes so much effort to do anything because of the pain and the loss. I'll be watching from home with tears streaming down my face. Mm -hmm. Please pray for the family, friends, and fellow law enforcement officers. The weight of the badge must be so heavy today, and in a few days... The same thing will
2: happen for the Tell City officer's funeral. And Cheneval's family, and Lori especially, and just such a sweet woman. And she should not feel guilty for decide, making the decision not to attend today and rather just stay home and watch it uh, on TV. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. If you're not ready to uh, witness something like that in person after the traumatic experience your family's been through, please do not feel guilty at all about that.
3: Earlier today at the church in Greenwood, Governor Holcomb spoke about Trooper Smith.
2: Trooper Aaron Smith will
4: forever embody the very definition of the best among us. And while honoring his incredible life is what unites us here today, the prayers across our state and beyond, far beyond our borders shall not themselves cease, not today or in all the days to come. For his legacy will be carried out by his brothers and sisters in service, by all of us. His name and memory alone will inspire new recruits to answer this noble calling. So Megan and family, may the good Lord's touch, bless, and comfort you. May it bring you peace, and I hope you feel the love of 6.8 million Hoosiers at the least who will walk with you, who will pray with you, just like here at your church family. Godspeed, Brother Aaron.
3: And that's one of the things that I think is really important for a lot of the family members to know. They're never going to know how many people are supporting them. Right. Families like Aaron Smith's or Breanne Leith's or Sierra Burton's, Noah shanavas They're never really going to know how many people have prayed for them, have wished them well, have supported them. But it's a big number. And this is what we do in Indiana. When one of our heroes falls, we work really hard to try to pick up the family. Uh, Doug Carter, he is the superintendent of the Indiana State Police. He had an amazing speech today. This is a little bit of a longer clip, but I want you to stay with me because I think this is important here. This is Doug Carter earlier today.
5: When I arrived at the Sally Porta Eskenazi Hospital, there was a flurry of activity. Troopers, great IMPD officers, security personnel were everywhere. I could see and feel the sadness in their eyes and many had just an empty stare. that all of us know. We established a family area so the family could have space and time they, they would need as they began to arrive. I was told that Megan was arriving with Jonathan near the Sally Port. As I exited the doors of the ER, I greeted Megan she was overcome with emotion, unimaginable sadness, and confusion. Soon after, Gary, Cynthia, Hope, Taylor, and Chad arrived. Once Patty, Jeremy, and the other brothers arrived, Tony, arrived in the private room, there was a point in time when the family shifted their focus to us. I will never be able to properly articulate what I witnessed, but it was something I had never experienced before. My dear friend Rick Snyder was in the room with me and with his family the entire evening, and we both mentioned each other on multiple occasions that what was happening was unbelievable. We watched this family with a depth of faith that I can't physically understand. We took the family down to see Aaron in the ER groups. Every single time a prayer was said, and every single time they included us. Can't tell you what that meant.
3: So the family Mm. of fallen Trooper Smith, they're at the hospital. They're looking at the body of their fallen loved one. They're making prayers, and they're including fellow law enforcement officers in that. That's a powerful thing. That's an amazing That's, moment. Wow! If you missed it uh, earlier, the final 10:42 call, the end of watch call, took place under the garrison flag at Whiteland High School.
6: 52361 Indianapolis. On June 28, 2023, at 2038, Trooper Aaron Smith answered his final call. By assisting with a vehicle pursuit, Trooper Aaron Smith attempted to de-escalate the situation by placing stop six, then was struck outside of his commission by the target vehicle. Aaron Smith honorably served citizens of Indiana with Indiana State Police for five years and with Indiana Army National Guard for 12 years. Careers he took to heart. Aaron was always willing to help those in need with a smile on his face. It has been an honor to have dispatched and to have known Trooper Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith was a loving husband, son, grandson, brother, and friend. Trooper Aaron Smith will be missed and forever remembered. 52-361 is 1042 for the final time.
8: to the Hammer
2: and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here with a very special guest live in studio.
9: Hello, good afternoon, everybody. I haven't even introduced you yet. <laughs> oh, I thought he said, hey, he said it was a very special guest. Know dress, your so role and <laughs> shut your mouth.
3: Well, now that the cat's out of the bag, Matt Bear's in studio. You want start over? try to surprise everybody. <laughs> well, right. Okay,
9: we're going to start over.
3: Well, Let the YouTube bump begin. Anytime Matt Bear comes in studio, Man, we see such a big tick up in the YouTube. I, I don't believe that. It, it
9: really? I mean, people more people watch the YouTube because I'm here. Yes, I'm here. absolutely. I, I just, I, that's hard for me to believe. I don't know. But thank you, everybody, for joining us. That's awesome.
3: Oh, by the way and i'm not just saying this because you're here great job in your coverage of tough situations like we had earlier today
9: yeah it's um you know it, you listen to the final call and i mean it, it is just like your head goes into a space like what's going on with the family right now and and, and you guys uh, earlier this afternoon we talked about that so well you know things with the family praying for praying for other police officers and it's there's some beauty in it but at the same time it, it really hurts i mean it it, it was tough to listen to. Was-
3: so I live on the west side, right? Grew up in Beach Grove, but I live on the west side now. My life in terms of traffic has been one steel-toed kick to the crotch <laughs> after the other one, Matt Bear. And now yes. I'm being told it's about to get worse. Yeah, we're going to do it all again. We're going to kick you in the crotch with a steel-toed boot again. Um, oh.
9: I know, I, I know, and it never gets easier. It never does. Um, westbound uh, 465 is now going to close. This is just like the eastbound closure we had in June, except now it's the westbound lanes from 65 to 70 on the southwest side. The other yeah. side
3: doesn't feel like it was improved. Like, the really? lanes are all crooked. you got to swerve and stay in your lane. Like, I know they did all this construction on the other side, but it doesn't feel like it was improved.
9: Does it feel safer when you go through there at all? No. I mean, no, it doesn't. It doesn't feel more narrow or wider or...
3: It's like... You know, when you're driving a road course race, if you're a race car driver, if you watch, you know, the IndyCar Grand Prix, you're turning left, you're turning right. Well, you're doing that with the lanes now on that side of the highway. Well, it's a lot of funnier for
9: an Indy an IndyCar driver. You know, I mean, that's really cool. But if you're in a construction zone, not so much. Um, no, that's, that's it's not the best thing. It's going to be a hell of a closure. And I mean, right now, if you look at Google Maps, it says it's already closed. And that's that could be a problem for people with GPS. It's not closed yet. It closes at 8 o'clock tonight. I, I put that out there several times today so people don't get confused like I would. Um, Google Maps has it closed. It's not yet until 8 o'clock and then it will be for the rest of the month. So,
2: I won't have any trouble getting on 465 South from the north side and heading down to uh, Brookville Road. Right? No. That, this this is on the I'm going to Indy Decorative Concrete tomorrow with my wife to look at uh, some options for maybe a, okay. a new sidewalk or something, right? So, uh, this doesn't have anything to do with that side
9: you're talking Count Brookville right. Road, Lawrence area, east side. Yes. Okay, no, no, you're good to go. That is the one spot in the city. Yes.
2: Out. that's not
1: a Oh, this by is bull crap. Sorry, Hammer. <laughs> this is such bull crap. I work
3: hard. I show up. I pay my taxes, <laughs> but yet I always get the steel toed work boot right in Big Jim and the Twins. Uh, it's, it's awful. And and I had somebody tweet me this
9: morning and so said, This could be worse than eastbound. <laughs> I'm like, How, how could it it'd be any worse than the eastbound closure? Remember the traffic. You're just not talking about 465 traffic that gets affected. You're talking all these side streets. So that just oh turn yeah. the pebble. I mean, Sam Jones was so bad during the June closure. And it's just it's going to be again, except this time going west. Instead well,
3: of I hope they do a better job on this side than they did on the other side, See, because boy, yeah. I don't think it was an upgrade at all. Now, Nigel and I were talking about these cameras that are going to be installed here uh, probably in the next year. This was part of a wink, wink, five year project, a podcast. Pilot project, which is going to become permanent because that's how these things work, of these cameras recording license plate numbers of people speeding through speed zones. Yeah, don't, construction. You, yeah, don't, don't you
9: love these uh, pilot projects that are uh, automatically going to be permanent no matter what time they come out? Um, that's what's happening here. And it, it is, uh, I mean, it's for work zone safety. And we think of the construction workers that do get hit, and it's uh, it should never
2: happen. There's and been an increase over the past few there, years. In five, five years, significant increase.
9: doubled yeah. in it's terms of fatalities. Pretty awful. And, and, and what these cameras will do is, is I, I fully believe it, I am in support of them, is they will not only protect the construction workers, they'll protect us, too. And um, I I know government doesn't protect us unless it's absolutely necessary. And I get that. We shouldn't rely on that. But at the same time, I'm I'm thinking about the people who are not guarded, that are standing out on I-70 right now, Hancock County, that are going to be there for the next couple of years. They have no defense against us. And and we've really taken advantage of it. And and I talk about me, too. So now maybe we'll kind of chill out when we get into construction zones and show the workers a little bit more. Respect and show ourselves a little bit more respect, too.
3: And if somebody borrows your car, whether it's one of your kids, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your buddy, and they speed through that then you're going to have to have that uncomfortable conversation with them saying you're paying the fine, right?
9: Yeah, and I, and I get that, and, and that's that's the way it's going to work. Um, you have to sort these things out between the two of you. I mean, if I have a, a friend that borrows my car, gets a ticket, and the ticket's on me, and he doesn't pay we aren't friends anymore. I mean, that's a, that's a <laughs> crappy thing to do, man. I mean, you're doing this person a favor. That sounds like so something
3: a- Tony Katz would do. <laughs> Tony right. Katz would Sorry. totally <laughs> borrow your car, speed through a work zone, and then not pay the fines. Speed through the Carmel roundabout on the way to Doesn't the show podium. up to work, doesn't pay right. the fines. <laughs> exactly. Um,
9: <laughs> the, 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 and that's where I'm at with the whole thing. And, and I understand the invasion of privacy as people talk about that because it is scary, and I, and I don't want that. But I, I also know that a, a lot of people have been killed in these work zones. I-70 is a terrible place to drive in Hancock County. I just don't see how this doesn't help us all the way through. I don't.
3: we got about a minute left here. We've got Matt Bear in studio. You sent me this story of this YouTube personality. I have no idea who it is. Adam 22. Uh, He appears to have just gotten married to a young lady that used to appear in pornographic films. So let me ask you, Matt, could you settle down with somebody who? Who used to be in these types of movies? Well, it it got me thinking, because
9: you remember these conversations we had when we
3: were a kid? Could you
9: date a stripper? Yeah, could you date an ex-stripper? Could you date a porn star? Could you date an ex-porn star? And, and, And I started thinking about it, and I'm like, I don't think it would bother me. It just wouldn't. If she used to do adult entertainment, whether she was a cam girl or a a pornographic star, it actually did the thing. Um, I don't think, it. by the way, as long as she understands when we're together, you're not active anymore. Well, well, this article says she's
2: jumping back into it. Right, right. Well, YouTuber Adam22 says he's got no problems with his wife, Lena the Plug. I'm sorry? (laughs) (laughs) That's his wife's name, (laughs) Lena the Plug? Did I get that right? She comes from a long line of uh, plugs. Her mother was Mary the plug, sister Debbie the plug. But it said she's jumping back into the adult industry after tying the knot. And he's this YouTube guy saying that fans, telling fans it's been a boost to their relationship and careers. Yeah, I, I'm sure it is. I don't has. know if these people have souls, actual souls or not. Oh, it's so bad. So
3: if we were to have a conversation and I want to be polite, do I have to refer to her as Mrs. Plug? But, Mrs. The Plug. <laughs> Mrs. The Plug. I'm sorry. Mrs. Plug. From a long
9: line of plugs, <laughs>
3: <And then laughs> Mike Pence used to sit in this chair. All right, Matt. If people have questions about the roads and anything else about life, love, liberty, where can they find you? And the
9: conversations always at Matt and Traffic. Um, the best people are there—the people that help us out in the traffic center—and I love you all. Thanks, guys.
3: Matt Bear, you're the best. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're
2: listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the drivehubler.com hotline. Tommy Piggott is the RNC Rapid Response Director. And must follow on Twitter, by
3: the way. Must follow on Twitter. You can see some of his work at RNC Research. Tommy, let's get right into it here. Jobs report came out today. No surprise. 25 straight months of real wages being down despite the fact Joe Biden's running around crapping snowballs, making it sound like he's some sort of job creating machine.
10: Yeah, I mean, it's so dishonest. He still doesn't understand the difference between a job created and a job recovered when he puts these absurd numbers out there claiming that he's creating all these jobs, when in reality, we're having Republican-led states leading the way and recovering jobs after the COVID lockdown. I mean, and I, I, you make an excellent point on wages. The fact that real wages are falling and have been really down something like 3% since Biden took office is really hurting middle-class families. There's a new report out this week that said middle-class families have lost on average in wealth just this year. That's a huge decrease for middle-class families, and that's the direct result of Bidenomics.
3: And I think it's important to point out what real wages is, because if you just scroll through social media, depending on the media outlet that you follow, you're going to see Joe Biden has great jobs report. It was above and beyond the expectations, but yet people are still getting a pay cut. So remind everybody what real wages mean.
10: Yeah, real wages are when you take the wage growth, the nominal wage growth, before inflation, and you adjust it for inflation. So, inflation is how much prices are going up, how much you can actually buy with the money you're getting from your job. And so, the real wage number says, well, if wages are growing by, let's say, 1%, but inflation is growing at 4%, then in reality, you're actually losing money because you're paying more for the same goods and services. When wages aren't keeping up with inflation, real wages are. So it's actually an indicator of how much you're able to buy with those wages.
3: And for 25 straight months, the Biden administration has basically been behind a pay cut. I mean, we can call it a pay cut, right?
10: We can. It is a pay cut for all intents and purposes, because it's really showing that you can't buy the same amount of uh, goods and services with the money that you have. It's really, it's just like a pay cut, which is why one of the, the terms that we use to describe Biden is the pay cut president, because he's really overseeing (laughs) really the the fastest decrease in real wages in something like 30 years, which is just an astonishing rate of decrease. And that really is hurting Americans that can least afford it the most.
2: It's funny how Joe Biden has sort of embraced the the quote unquote Bidenomics moniker that he's been given. Like I when I first saw Bidenomics, I, I don't know who came up with that, Tommy, but it seemed like sort of a pejorative term to me. <laughs> and now like a comical thing. And now Biden's sort of using that and trying to embrace that and as if it were virtue. And I just I'm not seeing it. It's kind of ridiculous.
10: Yeah, I, mean, I agree with you that if, if he had any common sense, he would take it as a pejorative because the economy is not good. So He wouldn't be embracing this economy. He would actually recognize reality and recognize that American families are getting poorer. Over 80 percent of Americans say the economy is negative. So if he had any common sense, he wouldn't be running on the economy because the economy is terrible. But I think he, he believes that he can sort of uh, gaslight his way into changing people's perceptions. So far, it's not working. Over 80% of Americans, like I said, rate the economy is negative. But I think he lives in such a uh, alternate reality where people might be telling him the economy is good, when in reality, the only people that are doing well under Bidenomics are Biden's family and their influence peddling schemes.
3: And who are the folks giving him these ideas? Like, tinfoil hat here, it's almost like they're trying to sabotage the guy. Because Bidenomics, it's a playoff of Reaganomics, but nothing seems to be working right now. And whoever keeps telling Joe Biden to keep saying these are Our children. It seems like it's been one bad piece of advice after the other. That whole our children thing, I don't think that flies with anybody.
10: I don't think it does either. Um, uh, Parents know that they should be the primary stakeholder in their children's education and their children's lives, Uh, not the government. We don't co parent with the government. That's not how this works. That's not how America was founded, how America has thrived. It, It kind of also indicates, though, how Joe Biden does believe in the nanny state in terms of really controlling all aspects of your life. I think it actually indicates a lot in terms of how Biden views the American people, that he doesn't think they're responsible enough to spend their own money, to to build their own lives, to make sure their children receive the best education possible. He believes he knows best when all indicators show that he doesn't. And and on the slogan Bidenomics, it's it's the worst slogan I've heard since their really (laughs) bizarre campaign slogan, finish the job. Uh, it's just like that sounded like a threat to me like like Mortal Kombat you know it's like finish him it's just like that sounds like absolutely terrible to me I don't know where they come up with this stuff
2: Tommy Piggott here, uh, RNC Rapid Response Director on The Hammer and Nigel Show. All right, let's move to the White House and why this this little dime bag of cocaine that was found in the West Wing or wherever uh, is so important and polarizing and why people are still paying attention to this, Uh, you know? Forget about the fact that cocaine was found in the White House. It just seemed like the, it's the it's been lie after lie after lie. I'd like I I'd want to see the timeline of of where this little dime bag of cocaine has has been in the White House. Because at first it was like, oh, it was in a place where everybody could go, tourists all over the place, and now and now they're they're actually saying, well, no, hardly anybody can get next to this place. It's they found it near the Situation Room and where the you know where the presidential limo are parked can you just kind of take us through why people are paying attention to this story
10: well i think you 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 hit the nail on the head in terms of the story from the white house keeps changing and the the massive shock of finding drugs in the west wing finding cocaine in the west wing is enough for people to be concerned Uh, and i think that's enough of the story but the fact that days later we still don't know who what where when why and how this cocaine was found. It's really astonishing. Uh, and I think it goes to the fact that this administration, according to a new study of uh, questions and answers from Cringy and Pierre, has only answered something like 2% of questions regarding a whole plethora of Biden scandals. And this is the latest one that they're just completely refusing to tell the truth about. And the story keeps changing. You mentioned that first they tried to blame visitors, uh, basically implying that a visitor might have left the cocaine on the West Wing, which would be shocking As it is But then it changed locations To a much more secure location uh, A location that, like you mentioned Near the situation room And and so I think Americans are concerned Because one, this is just so shocking And two, there still haven't been any answers And and when they're dodging so much It makes people think What's the real story here
3: And (laughs) the thing is The Secret Service has to know, right? I have never been in the White House, but I've spoken with a lot of people who have. And two things are true. Two things can be true at the same time here, Tommy. Number one, a lot of people do cocaine in Washington. And number two, the White House has cameras everywhere. If you think a Vegas casino was under surveillance, the White House says, hold my eight ball. They've got cameras all (laughs) over the place. So they have to know it feels like, you know, it's incompetence right now, or they're lying to us when they tell us, well, we may never know whose cocaine it was.
10: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense for them to say that. I mean, unless they think it's been there for, for years or something like that, they, they just found it. I mean, they do routine searches of these areas, and it's all under surveillance. So it doesn't really make any sense. And for it to be found in a cubby, someone had to take out The bag, right? Someone had to put it there. And so that action of putting it there would be on camera. And if their conclusion is, well, this wasn't an area that was surveilled as often or or something along those lines, uh, my question is what type of person has access to enter the White House unsurveilled? And if they truly did, wouldn't that raise more questions? Wouldn't that be more concerning that this person was important enough to not be checked? to not be put under surveillance, that to me is more concerning. So if if they really don't have this area under surveillance enough to determine uh, who put this cocaine there, I think that raises really serious questions about whose cocaine it is. I don't think that's an explanation from the White House. I think that's actually raising some really important and serious questions. He is the
3: Rapid Response Director for the RNC, Tommy Piggott. Tommy,
7: great conversation. We'll talk again next Friday.
10: Hey, thanks for having me on. This is The
7: Hammer
3: and Nigel Show.
7: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
3: Nigel, it's been one of those days today where a lot of sadness over the city. Uh, it's always incredibly emotional when... An officer, a trooper is laid to rest. So, we're going to try to have a little fun here, okay? We've been having fun opening the phone lines this week. Let's do it again today. You sent me a story earlier about (laughs) some things that everybody does, but they always look incredibly stupid while doing. An example: walking through a spider web. It doesn't matter who oh you are. Oh my
2: gosh! Yes.
3: Everybody looks like a moron when they walk through a spider web.
2: I, I, I got I got one for you. Uh, this is something that that uh, like people were looking at me like, "What is this weirdo doing?" I was. We were all in the kitchen in my house. Like this is like a decade ago. And we're all having beers and the TV's on or whatever, and then a moth kind of flies in my face, <laughs> like and hits me, and then flies down my shirt, and I start shaking like, I, I'm, like I'm like 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 everybody else, my wife and friends, her her brother all were just like all standing there, sitting there watching me convulse because I was trying to get this moth out of my shirt, and I, I was wound up on the floor. I was like, it was so it it would freak me out for some reason, a moth. Flew to my, my face, hit, went into my shirt, and it, it, it looked like I was having some sort of seizure. And it
3: doesn't matter who you are. You could look like The Rock, or you could look like us. When you do one of these things, oh, yeah. you'll look like an idiot. So, 239-9393. Name something, whether it's you or somebody you know, name something that you do but you look incredibly stupid while doing and don't say sex. Let me just put that out there right now because I know what you guys are going to say. Not looking for sex, but name something that no matter what happens, you always look like a moron to other people in the room. (laughs) Two, three, nine. So the question is, name something that everybody does, but they look stupid as hell when they're doing it. This is a little conversation Nige and I had earlier in the day, uh, walking through a spider web, uh, chasing something being blown in the wind. Like if you drop a dollar and it's cold or windy outside, oh, yeah. and every time you try to pick it up, it blows off again. You look like a <laughs> dummy the whole time. Name something that everybody does, but you look like a moron while you're doing it. Kevin, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show.
5: Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Awesome. Well, it's not when everybody does it, but it's when a certain few people do it. Like, say, Joe Biden, when he opens up his mouth to speak. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can
3: watch that guy and he looks like
1: he's a total idiot. I don't know. Yeah. What
3: do you think? Uh, I think he could make an argument. Case could be made sure. for Joe Biden. Absolutely. <laughs> David, you, you are next up. You don't know what that guy's on. It might be his cocaine. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. It's one of the theories. Uh, that's my bet, actually. Especially Donald Trump. Good Said value it, yeah. on the big guy. David's next up. David, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show.
10: Thank you. I was the all the time. I'm a retired firefighter, and
9: this happened to everybody on the job at one time or another, but we had to run at Central State Hospital
10: back in the 80s at about 9 o'clock. We go in there, in the maintenance man is standing there, check the announcement, just go up the second floor, check the announcement, nothing there. Let's go down to the other end. We'll go down to the other end. The nurse comes out and it says, Henry, if you don't stop this crap, I'm going to take
5: your keys away from you. He was a patient.
3: Oh, okay. I, I'm not sure I followed. This was Central <laughs> State, so this was like the mental hospital, right? So yeah, a about, patient about was about trying to... Years. Okay. About
5: 30 years ago, we're following this guy around the hospital, and he's not a maintenance app, man. He's a patient.
2: Oh, oh <laughs> got it. Okay. <laughs> Wait, you were following this guy around, but you found you thought he was the janitor or the maintenance yeah. guy, but he was really he was a patient.
4: Yeah, he was <laughs> waiting for us. All right.
2: <laughs> yep, he got he, you, he, didn't he?
3: Gotcha. Disre- Disregard everybody. Thank you, David. Oh,
2: that's a le- okay. That ended up being funny. I didn't know where that was going.
3: I needed a little explanation there, but once we got there, boom. Tanner, you are next up on the Hammer and Nigel show. Hey, what's
5: going on, fellas? Hey, what's man. up? Hey, uh, hard to beat that last one there, uh, <laughs> but
10: I got two of them for you. Uh- I do this one about all the time. Putting on a jacket and I can never get the other sleeve to come through. Yeah, (laughs) you about happens all the time. I I can't if I had a dollar for every time it happened, I probably wouldn't even have to work for that. And then the other one I have would be probably waiting on a sneeze to come that either doesn't ever come or comes at the moment
6: you don't want it to
3: come. (laughs) Right. I I could see both of those. Like when you get stuck in the jacket, you look like Houdini trying to get out of like, you know. Yes. Straight jacket. Straight jacket. And, yeah, when that sneeze is on the way, but it takes a little longer.
2: And then it doesn't follow through is even worse.
10: <laughs> hey, but if it, if it comes through, man, that's one of the best
2: sneezes usually. Oh, sure. So, <laughs> so satisfied. Hey,
10: guys, I love your show, okay? So you guys
5: have a good good rest of your day, all right? And have a good weekend. You, you too, t- Tanner. That's Thank funny. you.
3: Uh, Gary. Rock and roll, Gary. What do you got? Hey, uh, <laughs> I think we've all been here, but I'm sitting in my garage and i I can see down the lane and I just like looking at the neighbors and couple houses down, this elderly guy came out the other day, and he had a weed whacker. He was going to do some weed whacking, and, and I was watching him, and all of a sudden, he stumbled. I mean, it was bad. He went down, he oh. fell, the weed whacker went flying. Now, he wasn't hurt, but he looks up, and I, I think he saw me looking at him. <laughs> oh. He's like, who saw Did I,
2: I tried to hide. Oh. <laughs> the, 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 this know. says a lot about Gary. tried to hide when an elderly man fell <laughs> <laughs> instead of running to try to pick him back up. And
3: <laughs> you didn't want to hurt his feelings, but you also didn't want no, to help him up. No. <laughs> thank you, Gary. Uh, Oscar, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show.
5: Hello. Uh, I was going to say that whenever you're out at a restaurant and a uh, waiter brings out their, your food and you say thank you for your own food and that uh, you hope it's also good for them as well. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's just the force of habit, right? Sometimes you just say, thank you, or you too, without even thinking about it. Have you ever done this, Oscar? Because I'm guilty of this. Whether, sometimes you just get off the phone with somebody, whether it's your wife, whether it's a loved one, and you get a business call and you end it with the awkward, I love you. <laughs> have you ever done yeah. that before? All right, I love
2: you. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Hammer. I have done my- your taxes are ready. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you, Oscar. And uh, E-Buzz, welcome back to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you? Real good.
11: Happy uh, Friday, guys. Okay. We used to all hang our clothes up out on the dry to dry outside. Well, one night I put on my pair of pants and we're getting ready for a school function with my kids. And there was a damn hornet inside my pant leg, and I'm slapping my leg, and
6: everybody's <laughs> laughing at me. Yeah,
11: she- <laughs> I had no idea I'm sitting here getting stung to
3: death by this daggone hornet.
2: Yeah, shooing away an insect is always, yeah. you always look like an idiot.
3: Yeah, trying to kill an insect. Yeah. You always, there's nothing good that comes out of the look of trying to kill an insect or get away from something flying at you. Thank you guys so much. For your phone calls, keep the conversation rolling on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the whole nine at Hammer and Nigel. Do not go anywhere. More Hammer and Nigel show coming up next.
1: Hammer and Nigel.
2: You believe these characters are weirdos?
1: So let's rock!
2: To hammer the Hammer, the same White House that tracked down grannies hundreds of miles away after the Capitol riots. Here in Indiana, nine people, after the the Capitol riots, were arrested. Nine people from Indiana. A grandma, I believe, arrested for parading. (laughs) Had to pay a fine. Uh, They can find these people, but they want you to believe the cocaine caper has them stumped. It's a
3: mystery. So, the same Democratic Party and Democratic machine that told us Brett Kavanaugh drinking a beer 40-plus years ago was a big <laughs> deal are asking us to turn the other way and believe the Secret Service when they say, well, hell, I don't know where that <laughs> cocaine came from. Even though it's the most secure building in the world with cameras everywhere and the Situation Room has more security than anywhere else, uh, hell,
2: it's stumping us. In the... You know, that place that they ultimately, in that little cubby right next to the Situation Room, um, it- You somebody had to take it out of their briefcase or their pocket or whatever and put it in there. Now maybe they accidentally did it. Maybe they thought they were taking their keys out and putting it in there, and they accidentally grabbed a little baggie of coke that was in there (laughs) as well.
3: (laughs) It's not like when I walk to the fridge and I accidentally put the remote in the fridge. Oh, my
2: keys! I've done that with my keys before in the fridge. Uh, But I, I I, I tend to. uh, Tony Kennett was filling in for Rob Kendall today on Kendall and Casey. He says, uh, you know, he knows a lot of people, indeed. D. C. And cocaine is a very, very, very common uh, drug used. Well, how they that
3: reelected that? Marion Barry after he got busted <laughs> with right. crack?
2: So that that yeah, that Washington D.C. has a history with that that narcotic right there. So I, I I don't know. I mean, you know, could it have been Hunter? Could it have been? I I want to get down to the bottom of it because it's it's pretty, like if cocaine could get in there, can anthrax get in there? Right, that's the thing, right? I don't care that somebody had blow,
3: Washington D.C. Yeah, everybody's probably doing blow, but don't tell us that's you know this is the most secure place ever if narcotics are flowing through that joint. I mean that's kind of a big deal here, and James Comer of the House Oversight Committee, he wants a staff level briefing on the discovery by July 14th. He mentions that uh, the Secret Service, they want to be transparent, but the Secret Service came out and said, well, we may never know uh, whose cocaine that was. How is that possible near that location? Plus, stop lying to people. Don't tell us that, well, it happened in a tourist area. No, it didn't. It happened near the most important room in the White House, the Situation Room. Here's the latest from Fox News'
1: Griff Jenkins. It's been five days since cocaine was found in the West Wing and still no suspect or suspects have been identified. We do learn more about the actual location. Remember, first we were told it was in the library. Then we were told it was in this heavily trafficked area, which led us to believe that it was the public or visitors that were on a regular tour. Now we know it is in the West Executive Area, which in that area, we know that it is an entrance used by staff that come from places like the DOD, DOJ, the CIA, FBI come in that entrance very close to the Oval Office and right next to the Situation Room where this uh, cubby area was believed to be where this was found. Now, the Secret Service tells us we may not know any details until next week as the earliest, but it has certainly led a lot of speculation as the Secret Service reviews all the cameras and access logs. Now this, as uh, Senator Tom Cotton it released that letter that we've talked about demanding that whatever the Secret Service finds in their investigation be made public. He wants to know whether anyone's going to be held accountable and prosecuted. And also he wants to know what new procedures or what procedures exist that were flawed in the securing
2: of the world's most secure building on planet Earth. I can tell you, if it was anybody in the Biden- Family, no, they're not going to get prosecuted. There's literally video of Hunter Biden smoking crack (laughs) on tape, and then he never did anything to him. He never got in trouble for it. There's little, I mean, I guess the tax stuff and the gun violation. Okay, that's what he got in trouble for, and it all got knocked down to a misdemeanor. So, and Comer's not happy with that either. Exactly. So they're not going to do anything. They're not going to find it. They're going to lie. Unless it happened to be like maybe they you know, they go back to the Trump administration, and they find Don Jr. accidentally put it in there with his keys and wallet. All the people that's, addicted that's they... to
3: blow in DC, there's no way <laughs> yeah. that thing makes it through the night. Somebody sees yeah. the blow,
2: grabs the blow. But you know, some of these gonna find somebody to blame to blame someone in the Trump administration for this. You realize that, right?
3: I'm gonna take you down a different path. Now I'm gonna need that ten foil hat sitting right next oh to boy. you, Nigel. Okay. Throw me the hat. Let is. me put the tinfoil hat on. When we heard MSNBC break this story yesterday, it was Andrea Mitchell and Kelly O'Donnell breaking the story on MSNBC.
2: That it was in a different room than we thought. Right. right. That was
3: that story. it was near the situation room. But they also said something else. Do you remember what it was? that it happened near the place where the vice president vehicles were. I'm telling you, (laughs) I'm telling you, they're setting up Kamala Harris (laughs) to be the fall person for the blow in the White House because they don't want her on the ticket. She is a train wreck. She polls less than Joe Biden does. This is the Biden administration's opportunity to pick up Gavin Newsom or Gretchen Whitmer and to make another run at it in 2024. Tinfoil hat,
2: baby. That's that's pretty pretty major right there. That's right up there with uh, Michelle Obama running for uh, president. Hey, yesterday's
3: conspiracy theories are today's truths. No, I did
2: hear. Uh, I did. Um, just a side note. I heard the Michelle Obama could be uh, up for vice president. They're going to find a way to get rid of Kamala and uh, put uh, Michelle Obama on the ticket as Biden's vice president.
3: Well, the thing is, everybody knows whoever is going to be the number two on this ticket is going to be number one. There's no way if elected, Joe Biden's making another four years. Mm-hmm. You're probably looking at somebody getting three years as the president here and this is their chance to bump out Kamala Harris who's dumber than a box of rocks and bring in somebody else I'm telling you you can laugh at me now but this is in play even MSNBC thinks this whole excuse that we don't know whose blow it is is ridiculous this
2: is Willie Geist lots of cameras in that building hard to believe they can't track down who it belongs to but we will see Uh, And then Mike writes to us, you're missing the most likely White House culprit. Cocaine Mitch. Oh! <laughs> I mean, for God's sake. That's right. obvious.
3: He sells shirts that say cartel member on it. <laughs> if you make a donation to his campaign, you got a Mitch McConnell cartel I mean, member t-shirt. Sure Mitch
2: McConnell has been in and around where the, the, the area where they described they found it at. Cocaine Mitch. That's his nickname, for God's sake. Whoever it is has to be
3: somebody of importance. Sebastian Gorka, who used to have all the access imaginable when he was Donald Trump's advisor, put out this video today.
8: I worked in the White House. Let's talk about what happened and what didn't happen. It wasn't found in a well-trafficked area. Listen to the audio recording of the hazmat team that had to use the Gemini chemical detection equipment to identify the white powder. They were in the library of the residents. I was a deputy to the president. I went there once after a private dinner with President Trump. You don't get to go in there whenever you want. Secondly, uh, if you're a certain category like I was, with a blue access, all access pass to the White House, or a member of the family, if you come into the White House in a vehicle, Your vehicle isn't searched. You may have a canine EOD inspection, which is pretty random, but they don't even open up your vehicle. You can bring in anything. If you're a member of a press or a visitor, that's not the case. You go through multiple security checkpoints. So let's be clear. It's a member of the family or a very senior person working for the president. But I think we all know who it is, right? (laughs) Come on. A crackhead, Sebastian Gorka,
2: I'm right talking there. About uh, uh, Hunter Smith, I believe. Hunter, Hunter Biden. Biden. I'm sorry, Hunter and
0: Smith.
3: no way are they talking about Hunter Smith. I you will not be smirched, Hunter the Punter, on this program. Damn it! I want a full retraction wow. and
6: an
2: apology. <laughs> what a major slip up there.
3: Um, okay, <laughs> I'll turn this into a segue. Okay. Speaking of NFL players, did you see that there's a certain NFL player's name? on the overseas list of people you can bet on on whose cocaine it is.
2: Overseas list, what do you mean?
3: So you can't legally bet on whose cocaine it is in the United States.
2: (laughs) Oh, actually, I like an overseas sports book.
3: But Uh, (laughs) betonline.ag, what a lot of us degenerates used to do long before it became legal, they've got a number of candidates with odds out on whose cocaine it is. Now, Hunter Biden is the clubhouse leader, minus 525. But others on the list include folks who have been to the White House recently, like Matthew McConaughey,
2: Angelina Jolie, or Travis Travis Kelsey Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. Are we saying, are we implying that Travis Kelsey is a cocaine user? Or are we just like he likes to party and likes to get down and is kind of a wild man? He's
3: talked about substances Recently, now it wasn't cocaine, but he said most of the league smokes weed, and everybody oh. knows when to stop smoking weed before the <laughs> drug tests start before the season. So you got to figure if he's got that kind of knowledge of the drug system and how it's ran in the NFL, maybe he took some blow to the White House. I don't know. Is
2: Jill Biden on the? Uh, is the good doctor on the uh, list? Yes, her
3: and Joe currently listed, uh, basically a hundred to one. Oh wow! I think that's great value. Yeah, I do too. I still think the big guy is in play here.
7: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Emma Nigel presents...
5: It depends upon what the meaning of the word is.
2: Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'll run
3: stories by you, blah, Uh, blah, 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 blah. Is this anything? Britney Spears claims she was assaulted by a security guard From Victor Wambanyana, he is the number one pick in the draft from the San Antonio Spurs. French dude, right? French dude, teenager. He was at a restaurant in Vegas. That's the home of the NBA Summer League. Brittany was there. She had ran into him a couple times. She went over to say something to him, and then allegedly push came to shove. Somebody from Victor's team smacked Brittany. Hit me, Wimby, one more time. Here is an <laughs> eyewitness that says Brittany was also speaking with a British accent.
12: When Wimby and his entourage what? were heading into the restaurant, there was a fan who afterwards we found out was Brittany Spears, was <laughs> approaching him with a British accent saying, excuse me, sir, uh, excuse me, sir, and just kept trying to go towards him. That's when Brittany sort of infiltrated her way into the circle and started to put her hand on his back shoulder or his back because he's pretty tall, so. Towards his back And then that's when The bodyguard just turned around Slapped her across the face And knocked off her sunglasses Wow Uh,
2: Here Let me I I think we have some more uh, Testimony here What's coming to mind As this The scenario unfolds Is You you said this guy Wembenyama The number one draft pick In the NBA Is a teenager From France He's he's 19 Does, Does he Even know Who Britney Spears is? Do you think? Here's a little bit more of the, the witness uh, testimony here.
12: Victor walked right in, kept going. A couple of people stayed behind to, I would say, check on her. or I'm guessing they didn't know it was Brittany. So just to restrain this person from getting any closer. Afterwards, they sort of tried to walk her out of the restaurant. She screamed and using a British accent. <laughs> that's what she was using the whole time. This is f- America. It was an angry tone. <laughs>
2: Why is she using a British accent? That's throwing me off, too. I mean, maybe does she want him to think that she's European? Maybe, but didn't Madonna go through a
3: European accent phase at one point? Madonna, you're from... Michigan,
2: your last name is Ciccone. You're not British. What are you doing? <laughs> I think Britney Spears filed charges or tried to uh, at least uh, file assault charges against a security guard.
3: But nothing's going to happen, according to TMZ. Uh, the bodyguard will not be charged. Now, Wimbenyama's story is differs from Brittany's account. Uh, Brittany says she gently tapped him on the shoulder just to introduce herself, say hello. Uh, here is Victor being interviewed, and he describes it differently.
8: When uh, I was walking with the, to some restaurant, we were in a hall. There was a, a lot of people. People calling me, obviously. And there was one person who was calling me, and that person grabbed me from behind. Not on my shoulder. She grabbed me from behind. and uh, So I, I just know that the security pushed her away. I don't know with Helmet Force, though. I didn't stop to look so I can walk in and uh, enjoy the nice dinner. <laughs> when I came back to the hotel, I, I, mean, I didn't forget about this, but I, knew, I thought it was no big deal. And the, the security of this person told me it was a witness group. So at first I was like, uh, no, you're you joking. But uh, yeah, it turns out it was a bit group. Know? <laughs> but uh, I didn't know because I didn't see her I never saw her face.
2: Oh, I guess so. That may, I guess he must know who Britney Spears is then. But the stories differ. She says she tapped him on the shoulder. He claims she grabbed him. What is she doing? Right. What, Britney Spears has problems. She's never grown up. She's got an 18-year-old brain and a 41-year-old body. And you can tell that by, I mean, and it's a great body for 41. I was going to say, I mean, that body looks I mean, a lot younger than 41. But she has not, um, not grown up, I don't think. I mean, something happened to her to where she still thinks she's 18 years old. But at the same
3: time, this is in Las Vegas, too, where she's done residencies. Yeah. She's an icon in that city. She's probably not used to. To hearing no. So she goes up to the number one pick in the draft. I'm Britney Spears. Welcome to Las Vegas. Next thing you know, bada boom. Hit me, baby, one more time right across the face. (laughs) Glasses go flying off. Hell's breaking loose. Oh, man, it's a mess.
2: It's the Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, We'll go to the drivehudler.com hotline and bring on Attorney General Todd Rakita, who is leading seven states talking about Target, the controversy. They went through some hot water in marketing. Some of their more aggressive and controversial LGBTQ products to kids. Mr. Rakita, let's start with you and the seven other states and what this letter says and what it's exactly about.
11: Well, it's telling the CEO of Target. Thanks for having me on guys. Yeah. Uh, that look, um, go back to selling socks and underwear like you did before, uh, and, and we're giving you a pathway. It's actually yeah. Instead of this tuck-friendly nonsense and stuff that you know, I don't know when you guys were were were, were little kids. Did you know what tuck-friendly pajamas
2: were? I don't know. Never heard no. of it until this year.
11: Uh, yeah. Well, so and here's the thing. Here's what here's the other side of here's the other shoe that no one has really focused on, and and, and it's it's reasonable because no one really knows this. There were socialists, my term, uh, attorneys general who recently wrote the CEO of Target, a letter, which I felt and many others felt was threatening and borderline, if not crossing over the line of abuse of process, saying we're basically in effect saying we're going to come after you if you dare take any of this stuff off the shelf. So this letter, guys, was a response really to that, giving the CEO and Target as a whole an off ramp to this whole mess. It was a counterbalance, and, and it allowed the CEO to basically say, you know what, my name's Paul, this is between you all, I'm going back to selling socks and underwear, which is where they should be because that's where their margin is, and that's what their fiduciary duty is to their shareholders, which is the whole point of why we're against ESG. You know, so this feeds into the whole ESG argument. And you can tell that the letter that we wrote, guys, has already had an effect. Why? Because our friend Mark Levin, who wrote his new book, uh, had re- that book was recently taken off the shelves at yep. Target stores, and now it's back on. Yep. And that was since our letter.
2: We talked about that uh, yesterday. As a matter of fact, I just want to be clear too. Like, I don't personally like if you're a parent, and you want to buy a rainbow flag T-shirt for your ten-year-old. Fine, whatever. But that's that's not exactly what you were talking about in terms of what we on, w- what was depicted on some of these shirts and things that were being marketed to kids.
11: No, no, it's a lot worse. It's a, it, it's a lot worse. I don't, I don't, if a parent wants to use their judgment to buy their kids something like that, I agree with you completely. You know that's the parent's job. Uh, but what's being done here is really using us a, a, a satanic artist uh, to to run a line of clothing and other things that are particularly and run displays in stores that are particularly a. a Offensive and in the face of what, uh, uh, when you bring your kids into the Target, to have to be explaining what's this, mommy, what's this, dad. You know, no one wants that. No one does that. And the market has responded. That's the point. Yes. Um, if, the, if the market would have went up, so, oh, Target's wonderful for doing this, and the, and the shares doubled, you know, that'd be one thing. I'd have no really real basis for our letter, and I thank these six other states who joined us. Uh, but in fact, um, you lost, I think, about twelve to thirteen billion dollars of. Of share value, if you're a target shareholder, and and by the way, Impers, you know, which has the investments of all state employees, the thousands of state employees invest in Target. So there's a real state interest here, and, and so do most of the other states. So there's a real state interest here in making sure that the CEOs who, and this CEO admitted admitted that he was doing this because it was the so he felt it was the socially right thing to do. Again just sell the socks and underwear. Let us decide as parents what we think is uh, moral and right.
3: We're chatting with Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Mr. Attorney General, Jason Hammer here, and I am a First Amendment absolutist. I believe that the First Amendment protecting freedom of speech and expression covers a lot of the stuff that I don't like, that I wouldn't want my kids to be involved in here. So what's your response when someone claps back and says, hey, this is really a First Amendment issue. if the ceo of target wants to put satan himself on a t-shirt and sell it uh what's the big deal
11: well the big deal is the share value you're not speaking just for yourself you have a fiduciary duty under the law to provide the maximum amount of return for your shareholder um and until you know under, under esg rules you might say well that's okay fiduciary duties go out the window and we got to maximize these social benefits and take every opportunity we can. That's not the law. The law is the opposite of that, to, to ignore those social pressures in return for your shareholder. And that's a cornerstone of the free market. That's a cornerstone of free enterprise. And so what these people are really saying, it's not a, a First Amendment issue at all, what these people and these ESG proponents are really saying is that they're done with capitalism. And and, and and they want social emotional decisions to rule the marketplace and at the end of the day if we do that we will end up starving in the streets
2: and, and you know what like I'm looking at some of these t-shirts some of these items that Target was selling like uh, the a product that features skulls besides a guillotine, and it says homophobic headrest, which basically implies if you don't agree with our agenda, you deserve to die. Yeah. Have your head That's cut the, off. The,
11: there's a threatening it, aspect to it. Absolutely. You know? and, and, hey, I'm a first time I got to. I really am. So I, I sympathize. With what? Um, was it Hammer that's saying that? Sorry, I don't see you guys. It's hard to <laughs> tell just my voice. But, um, uh, it, it, you know, so, I, you know, I, I, I can appreciate that. Let If it's so bad, let their free speech um, end in the demise of Target. And I guess if it was a privately held company, you know, that argument, I, I'd appreciate that argument a lot more. But again, um, when you're publicly traded and all of us sort of own Part of the company, not all of us, but shareholders certainly thousands, millions of them. It's a different kind of calculus.
2: Talk about talk about what ESG is, real quick, and what that means to yeah, companies, corporations, and
11: social governance. It's this movement, um, and I had a fight with Larry Fink recently about BlackRock, and uh, you know who flip-flop on this issue because these CEOs and these these leaders and captains of industry and captains of investment are getting caught in the middle because they're cowards. We, we need leadership. Now, more than ever, we need people to stand up and be strong and take the social arrows, quote unquote, and these, these CEOs won't. They try to have their cake and eat it, too, and they, we just can't. We have to decide who we're going to be. And ESG is one of those decisions you have to make. Are you going to run your company based on the merit and the qualifications of your board members, for example, and who was on your board? Are you going to put them on there by merit? Or are you going to put them on there because they happen to be a woman? Or they happen to be black or these other uh, arbitrary requirements uh, that the ESG movement, emotional social governance movement puts in, for example, or we're going to make our decisions as a company based on how much carbon we're reducing. Uh, Rather than letting the regulators worry about that or letting the market itself worry about that, we're going to um, unilaterally decide that we're going to do business a certain way that's going to make the cost of business go up three to five to ten times. So
3: what do you think is going to be the end game of this letter that you and uh, multiple other uh, attorney generals have signed off on here? Because devil's advocate here, if I am a super liberal head of Target and I check my mailbox and I've got angry conservatives uh, giving me a lecture, I look at it, I think about it, and I throw it right
2: in the trash can. Well, who's
11: angry? I'm a happy warrior, man. Right.
2: <laughs> well, I, yeah. we've already seen the effects. I mean, the targets already started pulling back before yeah. this this kind. Of, before I your I letter, say,
11: I, if if you're a smart CEO and you get a letter like this from me in six other states, you look at and go, "Oh, thank God, thank God, I don't have to listen to these other attorneys general here, these these social super leftists, these other guys are are giving me a counterbalance, and I can now." even if in a Pontius pilot way, wash my hands of this whole thing and go back to selling stocks and underwear. And that's all we want. Uh, so it's really, I, I think it's a gift horse we're giving them. Um, I don't know where, where it goes from here. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but it's our, like, uh, like uh, Nigel said, we're already having an effect. So, and it's been a positive effect. And by the way, by the way, guys, I'll sign off here because I know you're, you're busy. I got the tip. I didn't even know. That the Socialist Attorneys General had sent this abusive, abusive letter to this poor CEO until I got a tip from one of you guys.
6: <laughs> Did you believe it? WIBC. Right.
11: Everyone yep. calls W.I.B.C. with tips. And I actually had W.I.B.C. call me with a tip. It was amazing. It was it was one it was your morning show uh, counterpart. So not the cats? one that acts like, not the one that acts like a uh, jilted lover. Oh, <laughs> starts at nine thirty. <930. laughs> not him. The other one. Jesus. Uh, and, and, and 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 I thank him because it, it it had me look at it and I said, you know what? this is wrong what these attorneys general are doing. It was really a letter that that that, that fights against those attorneys general for acting like how they did and making those those threats to the Target CEO in the first place.
3: This was a fun conversation. We talked about Target. Rob Kendall took some heat. I think this was a win-win for everybody. Uh, Todd Rakita, Indiana Attorney General, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. See you next time, guys. Bye. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
7: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
5: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show.
2: State Fair kicks off Friday, July 28th. Goes through the 28th to August 20th. Uh, Lots of food, lots of rides, the pig with the really big balls. Oh, man. Big old hog set. (laughs) See what I did there?
3: (laughs) See what I did there?
2: There's no off switch on this genius panel, baby. Oh, man. Uh, and then people are talking about the uh, the fair food this year. There's some new stuff if you want to. you have the list there? Let's so let's do. go
3: around the horn here. Allison, turn your microphone on. Nige, yeah. tell me if any of these work for you. Barbecue pig wings. Barbecue bone and pork wing comes from the bottom of the ham and consists of tender delicious dark meat with a single bone running through the middle the wing is pork without a fork barbecue pig wings nige in Allison no
2: <laughs> no <laughs> p-
13: naming it pig wings you need to you need to, the workshop the name there
2: I, you had me at pig wings i'm so really yeah uh. no question
3: how about this brachos crisp tortilla chips topped with sizzling bratwurst (laughs) creamy queso jalapeno fire roasted salsa with sour cream nachos with brats on top brachos in allison
13: i have heartburn thinking about it so no oh come on i'm
3: assuming the bratwurst
2: i'm assuming the bratwurst is cut up Yes. To eat it with the nachos, like they do. Like I love the brisket nachos uh, that people make sometimes, but I've uh, never had. I've never had brachos. That's that's interesting.
3: How about buffalo pork and mac? A bowl of homemade mac and cheese with pulled pork, buffalo sauce, <gasps> and ranch dressing on
2: top.
13: In Allison. Now we're talking. Yes,
2: I All would right. try these. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, that sounds good
3: deep-fried corn on a stick. (laughs) Of course. A six-inch ear of corn on a stick seasoned and then dipped into buttermilk and egg mixture and then rolled into a flour cornmeal with spice.
2: Yeah, it's breaded.
3: And then placed in the fryer until golden brown topped with Parmesan cheese and mayo. I'm so hungry. And served with a hot sauce pack. So deep-fried corn on a stick. Nige in! Allison. (laughs) Yeah, try it. Yes. I think I already know the answer to this (laughs) next one. (laughs) Give me some more bourbon shake. A boozy milkshake with Hotel Tango's schmallow Toasted Marshmallow Bourbon Creamy Vanilla Ice Cream blended together to create a s'more like taste. Give me some more bourbon shake.
13: Big Nige.
2: I'm in,
13: Allison. <laughs> uh, yeah, this definitely sounds like the best. S'more
3: funnel cake, funnel cake with marshmallow drizzle, Hershey's chocolate, and graham crackers on top.
2: In, <laughs>
3: Allison. In! <Yeah!
2: laughs> We're in. We're all in. I'm all in on everything you just mentioned. The s'mores funnel cake is even better because you could. Br- I'm assuming you eat that maybe with a fork. Uh, S'mores get a little messy for me at the campfire Yeah Uh, The kids love it, but they get it all over their face and hands (laughs) But with this funnel cake, I'm assuming that you can maybe They put that on a plate for you Yeah You have some utensils Some utensils, I believe, yes Oh, man Sounds good, man. I'm here for it.
3: Lastly, to wrap up a little food discussion here, today is World Chocolate
2: Day. Wait a minute, I, th- I was heard. I heard you on with your son last week. I thought it was Chocolate Day or something.
3: It was Chocolate Ice Cream Day or something like that.
2: Oh, so this is okay. So this is the world is celebrating chocolate. The today. world is celebrating Wonderful.
3: Chocolate Day, and there's only one way to pay tribute.
2: Jackson Heights'
1: own Mr. Randy Watson, yes! That boy's good. Mm-hmm, good and terrible. <laughs> Sexual chocolate. They play so fine, don't you agree? Top
3: stories, coming up next. I believe the children are our future.
12: Thank you.
1: Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos?
12: So let's rock it.
2: Yeah, somber day in Indy. Hammer is the funeral for State Trooper Aaron Smith. It's about to wrap up. He was killed last week in the line of duty uh, during a car chase, and the uh, you always get choked up with the 10:42 end of watch call, right? I mean, they did that uh, in, uh, I believe, in Whiteland. Correct. He grew up Underneath the big uh, garrison flag near Whiteland High
3: School. Now, the 1042 is the universal end of watch call that officers, troopers have when their shift is over, meaning their time on the clock is done. Yeah. And it's always emotional when you get that final 1042 for someone who's lost their life. This is what it sounded like earlier today at Whiteland High School.
6: 52-361 Indianapolis. On June 28, 2023 at 20:38, Trooper Aaron Smith answers his final call. While assisting with the vehicle pursuit, Trooper Aaron Smith attempted to de-escalate the situation by placing stop six Then was struck outside of his commission by the target vehicle. Aaron Smith honorably served citizens of Indiana with Indiana State Police for five years, and with Indiana Army National Guard for 12 years. Career he took to heart. Aaron was always willing to help those in need with a smile on his face. It has been an honor to have dispatched and to have known Trooper Aaron Smith. Aaron Smith was a loving husband, son, grandson, brother, and friend. Trooper Aaron Smith will be missed and forever remembered. 52 three sixty-one is 1042 for the final time.
3: Coming Boy. up a little bit later on when we do beer wow. sample Friday, Nige, let's make sure everybody has a beverage and we'll raise up a glass to the brave men
2: yeah. who go out there every single day, brave women who go out there every single day to protect us. I get choked up listening to that. I can imagine the the, the family hearing that and, you know, even the person that has to do that, whoever that was on the dispatch, th- that must have been very emotional. Still pretty crowded scene at
3: uh, Crown Hill Cemetery, downtown Indy. Uh, most of the service has wrapped up, but uh, Matt Baer will tell us a little bit later on what the traffic looks like around crown hill cemetery earlier today tucker carlson did a rare sit down interview with somebody he normally doesn't do these types of things where he's on the receiving end of questions he sat down with actor and comedian russell brand for his podcast now you're familiar with russell brand correct
2: well, I'm familiar with that you don't like him.
3: <laughs> the air quotes comedy of Russell Brand has
2: never won me over. But he's has a podcast or several different podcasts now that have just blown up. Gets millions of views. He's on I think he does a daily show on Rumble from right. what I from what I gather.
3: And this is where Tucker Carlson's interview took place earlier today. So we're going to play you a few clips here. This is Tucker Carlson for the first time publicly talking about his firing from Fox
14: you know it's not the first time I've been fired and I think in our business when you work for a big company in media and you know you say what you think there's an expectation that you could get fired so so I I, I was I was surprised I didn't you know expect to get fired that morning at all in April um, so I was shocked but I wasn't really shocked and I wasn't mad it's not my company. And when you work for someone else, that person reserves the right, and in fact has inherently the right to decide whether you work there or not. And um, I don't know why I was fired. I really don't. Uh, I'm not angry about it. You can believe me or not, but I think you can feel that I'm not. Um, and you know, I wish Fox well. Uh, there was you know ugly leaking. and you know, I'm a racist or whatever they leaked, or someone there leaked to the New York Times, but I that's not true. And I think the people who run the company know that's
2: not true. I actually don't think they did it.
14: Interesting that he claims
3: he still doesn't know why he was fired.
2: Lots of theories out there. The Dominion voting settlement, uh, maybe Mm -hmm. that was part of the deal.
3: What he was going to talk about in regards to January
2: 6th. Ray Epps, yeah.
3: And he talked about January 6th today.
14: In an interview that was never aired on Fox, by the way, I was fired before it could air, um, I, I'm going to interview him again. But Stevenson was the totally non-political. Worked for Nancy Pelosi. I mean, this was not some right-wing activist. He was the chief of the Capitol Police on January 6th, and he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that crowd was filled with federal agents." What? Yes. Well, he would know, of course, because he was in charge of security at the site. So the more time has passed, now it's been two and a half years it becomes really obvious that core claims they made about January 6th were lies. And my view about events and about people is, if you catch someone telling a lie about one thing, the first question you have is, what else are you lying about? This was Tucker Carlson again, speaking
3: on Russell Brand's podcast earlier today. And then the subject of Donald Trump came up. So, a lot of people that feel like Tucker and Donald Trump Don't really see eye to eye, but here's Tucker speaking about the former president.
14: Uh, Where am I on Trump now? What I love Trump personally. I mean, I made a huge mistake last November. In getting involved in American politics, something I've never done before, and making calls, you know, this guy's gonna win. I think this is gonna happen in this state, meet your new governor in New York, stuff like that. and I was wrong on almost every call. Mm. I'm not a very astute political analyst. I'm not interested in politics. I never have been interested in politics. I'm interested in ideas, I'm interested in people. And so there's a primary going on in the United States between Trump and a bunch of other people, primarily Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, but others, Vivek Ramaswamy. I haven't said word one about it. Don't plan to, you know. I think looking back on this ten years from now, assuming we're still around, uh, I think we're going to see Trump's emergence as as the most significant thing to happen in American politics in a hundred years because he reoriented the Republican Party um, against the wishes of Republican leaders. But when I think about Trump right now, so it's July of twenty twenty three, you know, I am struck by his foreign policy views. So, interesting, Tucker
3: says, I'm not a political guy. I'm interested
2: in people. Even more interesting is that he admitted a mistake. Right. I mean, that that lends credibility to to him as, as a broadcaster and as a journalist and as a commentator. Yeah, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have gotten involved in that. And while
3: speaking about Trump, then Tucker tells Russell Brand his
14: thoughts on the war in Ukraine. You know, Trump is the only person with stature in the Republican Party, really, who's saying, wait a second, you know, why are we supporting an endless war in Ukraine? You know, leaving aside whether Trump's going to get the nomination or get elected president or would be a good president, you know, I can't even assess that. All I can say at this point is I'm so grateful that he has that position. He's right. And everyone in Washington's wrong. Everyone. Mm -hmm and Trump is right on that question and it's a big question that war is reshaping the world it's reshaping the economy of the world it's reshaping populations the ref- I mean I was just in Romania last week you know which is of course shares a border with Ukraine it, the the refugees in that region the number of people killed in that war i mean Europe will never be the same because of this war and it really matters And Trump alone among popular figures in both parties understands that. And I'm grateful for it. Whether he gets the nomination or gets elected, you know, words really matter. Saying something true out loud matters. And he is saying true things about Ukraine and God bless him.
3: So if you want to hear that in its entirety, uh, find Russell Brand's podcast. He sat down with Tucker Carlson, but a good 30 minute conversation, a little bit longer than that, around 30 minutes.
2: The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. You know, Hammer, it's not very often we get to talk to somebody who is the best in the world, literally, at what they do. Uh, Mickey Sudo is the number one ranked female competitive eater in the world. Number three overall. She is the defending champion. Uh, Continuing her reign in the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest this week, she scarfed down almost 40 hot dogs and buns (laughs) to get that mustard belt. A ninth women's title in the Nathan's annual contest. Mickey Sudo, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on. How are you feeling right now?
0: feel great i mean i'm a little a little sad that nathan's week is over but i'm already excited for 2024 and physically you know almost pretty much back to normal um you know the day after a couple days later it feels like every muscle in your midsection is a little bit bruised but but i'm good
2: so i i I would assume because we know joey and joey chestnut he lives here in in uh, indianapolis and every person's recovery i feel like is different what is the process in terms of recovery for you after you force down almost 40 hot dogs. Like...
0: I mean, there are a lot of pictures taken of me after our contest. And I swear I'm holding a bottle of water or like a Powerade Zero in every single one. <laughs> I mean, I just feel incredibly... I mean, between the heat and uh, the hot dogs, I just feel dehydrated. <laughs> oh, so, man. Uh, the process just requires a lot of fluid, really. Um, fluid. A little bit of rest, definitely a shower, because uh, I am so sticky and gross after coming back from Coney Island.
2: And do you eat later that night at all? All, or is that it for you for the day?
0: Um yeah, so we uh, obviously like I only ate forty this year. Um
2: Only
3: I Only <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, I know. And uh yeah, I was just like I, I wanna put on a good show, so like I, I'm I'm not happy with my number. But I mean nobody's oh. here to hear me complain. Um, But, yeah, with that said, obviously, I have more space. So, I think I um, we definitely went out to, we had ice cream from, like, a a truck vendor. So, I had, like, a vanilla sauce serve dipped in, like, a chocolate shell thing. Nick had a sundae, and Max stole, like, half of both of our ice creams. Um, (laughs) And I think I just had fruit um, that we still had in the hotel room, like, pizzas and nectarines from the food cart. Okay.
3: Mickey, Jason Hammer here. So, take me through contest day, because when I'm scrolling through social media, it looked like, they were calling the contest off, and ESPN's putting out tweets saying, you know what, everybody go home, the contest isn't happening, and then I go run some errands, I come back and I find out that the thing happened. What went on?
0: Yeah so oh god The backstage drama uh, So the women, it, I had already eaten at 11 And I kept telling you for our contest It was brutally hot and like 97% oh. it, was, it was But um, so George H. had just uh, You know we had some bands in the interim George Shay had just brought me and Max out on stage and we're doing this little Like you know bit with the audience And just as we're wrapping that The sky just cracks and opens up And these huge raindrops come Pouring down, it's a torrential downpour. On top of it, we have lightning storms. Yeah. So now it's just not like an inconvenience for the eaters and maybe an annoying for the crowd, but it's also a safety issue. Um, I don't know the, the specifics, but apparently lightning and camera equipment is like a no go. So they had to put a hold on it, and then there are rumors going around that they're that it's going to be canceled. Nick gets fired up. Uh, you could imagine he was ready to like eat like five dozen hot dogs.
2: Nick just, Nick like, Wery, your husband, who it? is a top competitive yeah. eater as well.
0: Yeah, right fourth on the on the on the circuit. But he's like foaming at the mouth basically. He runs up to Joey and he's like, You and I, we're gonna go on the rain and we're gonna eat some hot dogs. <laughs> Yeah, so like Joey gets credit for that like epic statement, like you know I don't care about the weather, we're gonna do this effort. Like Joey sounds all epic. Nick's running around backstage like like a rabid animal. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. So, and I'm saying myself like okay, just chill, buddy. We're, we're we all know that the contest is gonna go on. I don't know when or how or where, but like George H. and Major League Eating, those guys are amazing. They're machines. They made this happen in 2020 amidst the pandemic. Yeah, and, I've and watched it. Yeah. Gonna stop us. yeah yeah, exactly. So I didn't know if it was going to be held indoors. But anyway, so they finally ended up eating it, too. And, uh, you know, they the the Nathan's crew, I give them so much credit because you can imagine how many hundreds of hot dogs had to be cooked for the guys' contest to go off on time. They're, like, they're like just trying to rotate batches of hot dogs so that they can go at any minute now. Right. So they've got, like, hot dogs on the grill. So Nick told me, like, when they finally ate – some hot dogs, they had been sitting around. They paid the price, but some of them were like hot off the grill, like hot to the touch. So it, it was just a whole lot going on. Yeah, and I wonder um,
2: because there's a routine that you guys have, I'm sure, before uh, the contest, before the competitive eating contest starts. And I'm wondering how much that threw Nick off, because uh, Joey even said after he was over, he goes, "Yeah, it kind of threw us off a little bit." Um, even though he still won, and Nick, I believe your husband, came in fourth. Did did that throw his his mojo off did that throw his routine off in any way
0: yeah, I mean, as a competitor, you want to be ready for pretty much any curveball that's going sure. your way. Yeah, of course. You know, you just imagine like what we time um, in our in our practice and preparation. Like, is is it's detailed to the minute. So from like the last drink that somebody might have had, yeah. or the last sip of water, to the last time they went to the bathroom, to the last food that they ate, everything is calculated and it's done for a reason. So for that to be thrown off by two hours, not to mention the emotional, like the mental hype kind of component. You know, you're all ready, you're amped up to go, and then it's like, oh, no, false start. Oh, maybe we're going now, and false start. And just that, like, that buildup and letdown is emotionally and actually physically draining, too. So, you know, that coupled with... The, it, it was just a whole lot, but no excuses. You know, Nick's uh, he's already, like, fired up to, like... He's going again And actually I have to step up My practice too Because Miss Mayoi Ebihara Who is like Eating on my right She brought it And she brought it So hard I'm so proud of her For the respect That she showed The contest And like The thought and effort That she put into it Um, I think it made for Great TV That we're back and forth Neck and neck off wire to wire, yeah, exactly, and I
2: can't wait to have her back. Well, I the thing about you speaking with a competitive eater, Mickey Sudo, who is a number one ranked female competitive eater in the world, number three ranked overall, it, it sh- tells me a lot about your competitive nature because you seemed disappointed in your winning total after the competition <laughs> yeah. because they aired you guys after you had already done the competition. They aired it after uh, the men's competition, and you actually seemed disappointed that you didn't break your previous record.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, because I have been more fired up than ever. But I think, you know what? It's it's, okay, nobody's here to l- listen to me complain, right? But, I mean, no, it, I as it. an explanation. Um, it, it, you know, it's like, obviously, I'm happy to be there, but I'm also there to put on a good show. And I never want to disappoint the, the fans. Um, and uh, I think if I if I am to criticize myself I would just say maybe I've gotten a little bit too comfortable with like the natural ability that I have I hate to say I've gotten lazy but it's always like okay I'm naturally good at this I don't I mean I, I work hard in my mind but am I giving everything in my practice like in my practices right if I only cook up 40 and just say like okay well it's not the real thing so I'm just going to see how quickly I can get these down well I'm not really pushing myself I'm just kind of building my. Myself, I'm just getting the rust off. I'm not really trying to build and progress. Sure. So, I, if I were to criticize myself and, and really analyze what I could do better next year, it's just like, okay, yeah, dust the rust, brush, brush off the rust. But like, we're here to progress and move forward. And I can guarantee you, 40 is not going to be enough to win next year because Mayu is going to bring it. So, um, I, I really think that I need to have a much more of a, a competitive mindset in my practices to
3: moving forward. Mickey, I think one of the questions a lot of people have who maybe only watch competitive eating on the hot dog contest on the 4th of July, what's your workout routine like after that? Because when you watch these competitive eaters, very few of them are big, fat people. They're all in shape, cut, athletic people. Just like you and Nick. How do you keep the weight off?
0: Yeah, so I think um, it's a little bit um, deceiving uh, because I think Joey, Joey's talked about this, doing this too. Uh, we intentionally come into Nathan's a little bit leaner than normal. So, like the rest of the year, I might walk around at closer to 140 pounds. Uh, when I competed at Nathan's that day, I was like 131. Um, it, it's just when I'm lean and healthy and fit. I mean, you can imagine when you when if you were to sprint around the block, you would probably do better without carrying an extra 20 or 30 pounds you know whether that's 10 pounds or 100 whatever there's a there's a healthy weight at which you have energy um your recovery is great um but you aren't slowed down or weighed down essentially and that's kind of like what we do Um, hey mickey
2: we definitely wanted to mention your um your rib fest competition coming up in minnesota can people follow that at all
0: Absolutely um, So that's uh, Prior Lake, Minnesota At the Mystic Lake Hotel and Casino July 29th at 2pm Central I'll be there Joey will be there And Nick will be there So come on down
2: Have you and Nick uh, And final question here Because I know we got to wrap it up here uh, Mickey Sudo The top competitive eater um, Have you and your husband ever competed? And who won?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, Nathan's hot dogs are the only contest uh, where men and women compete separately. Nick and I go head to head every single contest around the year. Okay. Um, So I'll be competing against him. I I mean, I'm still ranked third, even with men. Nick's ranked fourth, and that's probably for a reason.
6: Um, (laughs) (laughs) We're
0: pretty evenly matched up. Actually, at hot dogs, he he did 45 this year. I only did 40, um, but I'll probably take him at ribs. Um, You know, I, I, I crush him in certain foods, and then he beat me. He beats me at others.
2: All right. Look for Mickey and her husband, Nick, and uh, Joey Jaws, Chestnut, and everybody competing at Ribfest Minnesota this weekend. Honored to talk to you. You're the best in the world of what you do, Mickey. We're big fans, and we'd love to have you back uh, on the air very soon. Thank you.
7: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer over here. We'll go straight to the drivehu.com hotline and bring on one of the best, one of our favorites, Breitbart news political editor, Emma Joe Morris. She is the one that broke the Hunter Biden laptop from Hell story when she was at the New York Post. She's now with Breitbart. And the I, I want to get your take on why this White House cocaine story still has legs. I'll give you my theory, is because the story keeps changing on when, or, or I guess I should say where in the the white house this little dime bag of cocaine was found at first it was in like some common area everybody has access to and now we're finding out the opposite maybe if you could is finding cocaine
3: not enough for you nige (laughs) in the white house
2: cocaine in the white house not enough for you but they keep lying about it and, and moving the goalposts as to where it was found emma what do you think
13: well, that's it. I, I feel the exact same way, which is so classic of Biden and the Biden orbit. Um, we see this all the time from them, where they turn things into a much bigger deal than they necessarily would need to be because they keep obviously lying about it about and, and about over stupid details in this case. You know, although it's actually not a stupid detail because it's just... It's not as stupid, let's say, um, because it wasn't the library as it's being reported now. Um, You know, this is on Breitbart. It's actually next to the Situation Room, not the library. (laughs) So, you know, listen, I spent the majority of this week being like, this is amusing to me, but I don't care because, you know, unfortunately, I guess, but... This is just I'm just here to tell you the facts. Um, cocaine is a very common thing in Washington. It's very common um, and it's it's common on Wall Street and in Washington. That's just how it works. And that's that's the sad reality of the world we live in. Unfortunately, we were expelled from the Garden of Eden and people do coke. So, um, <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. like I saw this at first and I was like, I know that it's, like, funny to do the Hunter meme on this, but it could literally be anybody, Um, especially where they said it originally was, which was, like, in some sort of reception area where there could be tons of journalists, there could be tons of visitors, you know, whatever. I never believed that it was, like, some tourist. I don't think a tourist would be bold enough to bring a dime bag into the White House on a tour. but. You know, a journalist, a staffer um, Any number of like Probably the thousands of people that come through there You know, who work there um, You know, wouldn't necessarily Be be picked up on a wand It wouldn't be picked up, obviously, on a metal detector um, Hmm. You know, and So many people do it So I was kind of like shrugging at that Um, But again It's the trickling out Of information that keeps changing That keeps the story alive They should have just said, you know uh, unfortunately, drugs are prevalent in Washington, and uh, this happened. Right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not flattering, but it's not a week long news cycle. The reason why it's a week long news cycle is because we're all playing a game of clue now.
3: True. Yeah. Emma Joe, Jason Hammer here. The reason I think this thing has legs and the reason why I'm into this is twofold. Number one, this White House wants. People like us to feel like idiots, right? So we're expected to believe that the most secure building in the world with more cameras than a Vegas casino has no idea who possibly dropped the bag of cocaine. And number two, This is a White House and an administration where they were really quick to identify grandmas 100 miles away from the Capitol on January 6th, but hot damn, we have no idea who dropped the cocaine bag. So, both of those things together, for me, it's almost like they made this bed, they made the rules of engagement, I'm just playing the game here.
13: Well, that's so true. That is so true. Like, not only does the story keep changing, but what they're saying is, like, you're mocking us. You're mocking us. I mean, I posted on Twitter the other day. Where I where I dump out all my best ideas, you know I, I posted on Twitter that uh, that we were able to find Saddam in a hole in Adar yeah. with a, a mini fan keeping him alive. Right, right. But, but we can't find the the quote unquote White House cocaine culprit. I mean, <laughs> stop mocking
6: us.
2: I will say though, and I know the the Hunter Biden angle is low hanging fruit because he is in recovery, or is he? He was kicked out of of uh, the military for cocaine. He, I don't know if he still does it or not, but he is known for leaving things well, behind like and forgetting <laughs> about them and forgetting where he put them, right? You know that better than anybody.
13: Yeah. yeah. Don't we know that? Yeah. I mean, totally. like, I think, yeah. I mean, obviously I- I don't know what Hunter. I, unfortunately, I don't have his current iCloud backup, so <laughs> I don't have the up-to-date photos of whether or not there's crack ties hanging out of his mouth and uh, rails on tables. But, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like I feel like that Hunter thing is a meme only because, yeah, definitely it could be. I, apparently, he's staying at the White House, yeah. um, you know, and, they, and he's constantly at Camp David. He, he seems to be very much in Joe Biden's orbit right now. And obviously Joe Biden lives at the White House. But yeah, I mean it's it's a meme. I think it I think it equally could be anybody. Like I said, it's so ubiquitous in Washington, unfortunately it is
3: listening to the coverage of when this broke yesterday, I think MSNBC had this first yesterday. I found it very odd, and maybe I'm the only person that picked up on this, Emma Joe that they kept saying that, yes, it was near the Situation Room, but also, they were always really quick to point out also where the Vice President vehicles are parked at. I don't know. Did it kind of feel like they were kind of throwing Kamala under the bus a little bit there?
13: God, that's so funny. I mean, (laughs) didn't see that that is so funny i'm dying they would you know they would that relationship is obviously so fake it's obviously so contrived um you know there is zero chemistry between them and there have been so many reports that there's you know um, let's say Kamala Harris is not the most likable person in the in the building. Right. Um, no. This know, is their chance I, to maybe bump her off the ticket so here. Funny. That's the first time I'm hearing that. I'm dying.
2: Emma uh, Morris, uh, <laughs> Breitbart political editor here. Let's uh, switch over to uh, Navy Joan getting the cold mm-hmm. shoulder from Grandma and Grandpa Biden as well as Papa Biden. I, I, has. I've only seen it a couple times. Has anybody directly confronted Joe Biden on this and or KJP or anybody in the inner circle in terms of them ignoring the the granddaughter down in Arkansas?
13: Yeah, talk about another another instance of a PR blunder by these people by trying to ignore something yes. so blatant and so obvious and creating a you know an endless news cycle out of something that they could have just admitted four years ago. But yeah, so K J P. The press secretary has been asked, and she says, oh, you know I, I have nothing to comment and i mean th- this is such a crazy story, especially because Joe Biden is constantly we, we heard this especially during pride Month, that apparently your children are everyone 's children, except oh, for yeah. maybe oh, Joe. Yeah. of course she 's not everyone 's <laughs> children right. she 's just uh london roberts' child um, you know yeah, I mean this is such a disgusting uh, such a disgusting saga with this with this poor little girl. You know, the New York Times had a story um, last weekend where they said that um, that this little kid, she's four, um, and she knows that Hunter is her father and she knows that Joe Biden is her grandfather, the president of the United States, and that she talks about them. And it's just it's it's so, you know, I was thinking about this actually on my own time, which I hate to do and I hate that I'm even admitting this, but I, I was thinking about it and it's like. This was so stupid because there's a DNA test. There's obviously going to be a DNA test. Listen, this woman, uh, sorry, London Roberts, who was Hunter, the mother of this child, she was not a one night stand. This was not some random encounter that ended in a child. Um, This woman had a relationship with Hunter. The extent of the relationship is unclear, but she was on his payroll for a while. Obviously, she was not working for him. I don't know what that arrangement was exactly, but they, I mean, I just mean to say this wasn't a fleeting encounter. This was like they had a relationship. She knows exactly who he is. She knows exactly what he does. She knows exactly how much money is coming in, that he's flying around on private, you know, that he is the son of the most powerful, one of the most powerful politicians in the country you don't think that she's going to come as she's entitled to for child support when she's saddled with this kid now? You know, and of course, she's going to subject you to a paternity test, obviously. It's like, this This is actually, I mean, this, the, the bag of Coke, untraceable bag of Coke in the White House is one thing. This has a DNA test. It's like, right. what are you, what were you
2: thinking? And not only that, but yeah, you mentioned the private jets. I believe Hunter Biden actually flew down south to court on a private jet to try to get the uh, the uh, okay. Alamo reduced, right? And it, it was a significant right. reduction, wasn't it? He flew in a private jet to say how broke he
13: was. Am I <laughs> understanding this correctly?
6: <laughs> that's
13: it. You don't get it? <laughs> He's broke, guys. <laughs> um, yes, that's exactly right. And, and you know, okay, he says the jet wasn't his. and Whatever. Wh- it's just he's such a he's such a sleaze bag and and you know i mean listen it's one thing if if you don't want to i mean i don't get that the truth is i don't get that cuz i've I, my dad is the closest person in my life to me and and growing up he always was and that relationship is so unique and and so amazing and i don't see why any man would would deny and and try to you know eschew having that relationship but if he was going to do that, like, whatever, okay, you know. Uh, not only but that, I think You I think still the- have to pay the child support. Just pay the child support. Just It's not like it's your word against hers. Just pay the child support. You're going to have to. And it was That's so- something, this whole saga is something I really just cannot wrap my head around. I can wrap my head around a lot. With Hunter, I actually can if I really try to put myself in his shoes and I really try to put myself in his moral compass. Um, you know, I can I can kind of get there, but this one is one that I
2: just it's baffling. Anna Joe Morris, Breitbart uh, political editor. What are you working on? What are some of the other things that are on your radar right now at, at Breitbart?
13: Oh, I have a, There's a million things going on You know obviously the primaries are something That we're watching very closely and they, You know we're lucky that uh, the candidates Have been so open and have been willing to talk To Breitbart so much we have so much great content On the primaries it's very exciting um, You know obviously There's constant drama with the Investigations this Hunter investigation And the Biden family investigation and the Weaponization committee it's just really Exciting stuff so those are the two things I think that I have my eye on closest um, And then obviously you know our writers they're just so brilliant. They bring up things that I could never even imagine. Do you think um, we've
2: got and, about thirty uh, seconds left fun. here? Do you, yeah. do you do you think Donald Trump is going to participate in that first debate in August?
13: I mean. I don't think so, to be honest. Oh, really? Really? Like, why does he need to? I mean, he's far and away the leading candidate. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, just because, like, why not talk in public and have eyes on you? You know, like, that's my philosophy. But I bet that he can get away with just not doing it and
2: still win. I'm Joe Morris from Breitbart. Have a great weekend, and thanks for your insight. We'll talk to you soon.
13: Thank you so much, guys. Right
6: now! Cameron Nigel presents... Oh, no.
2: oh, Beer!
6: Sample!
13: Fry!
2: Yeah. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down get you some. Yeah, Hammer's here. I'm Nigel, and we're brought to you by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. Spencer's uh, buddy dropped this off for us, actually, here, Hammer. and The gang at Thompson Furniture is just awesome. <laughs> they've, been, they've been hooking us up lately with these beers. Uh, it's a growler from Northern Tropics Brewing. Up in Muncie. Oh, funsy, huh? It's a little. My, I've never been to this brewery, but my buddy was telling me about it. It's, it's pretty cool. It's like in an ultra, like some sort of tropical vibe. It's like it's in a greenhouse and a nursery is where this brewery is located. Okay, like a tropical themed thing. So it's, so I've never been there. I can't wait to try it. It's called European Vacation, <laughs> a Vienna style lager. He made porker, Russ. <laughs> Let me
3: a little uh, European Vacation reference. <laughs> friends, for those who have seen that film. You got the jug over there. I like it when I come in studio and there's a big jug of goodness right there. Yes, I believe
2: they call these growlers, but uh, Where I come from, it's
3: big... a big jug of goodness. Pour some for me. Pour a little in a some for you. daddy's cup here. All right, let me, can I make a toast? It's been one of those days in Indy today. A lot of sadness. So, raise up a toast to the family of fallen state trooper Aaron Smith, and yes. all those in law enforcement. Cheers and to better things this weekend. Cheers. There we go.
2: Mm. Oh, that's delicious. Yeah, you better pour some more in this glass okay, right here. You betcha. All right, thank you to Northern Tropics Brewing. Thank you to Boy, you that's Thompson good. Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus.